Welcome to Sex Savvy, where nothing is off limits. I'm Kimberly Resnick Anderson, your host and creator of Sex Savvy. I've been helping couples and individuals achieve optimal sexual health for more than 25 years. I am ready to share my unique insights and sex-positive approach with the world. We'll talk about hang-ups, kinks, fantasies, and function, what's hot, what's not, and most importantly, how to become sex-savvy. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Sex Savvy. I'm your host, Kimberly Resnick-Anderson. Today, we're going to be talking about sexological body work, which is a somatic kind of exchange where certified providers help clients release blocks that are preventing them from experiencing full satisfaction or pleasure when it comes to their sensuality or sexuality. And I have a really interesting guest today that I'm going to share with you during my interview who talks about his work as a sexological body work provider and what he is able to accomplish with his clients in his office. First, I want to just talk a little bit about how in my office, I am encouraging my patients to make friends with their sexuality. And if you've followed any of my podcasts or read any of my articles or seen any of my videos, you know that I focus a lot on how shame becomes deeply ingrained at various stages of development that interfere with our capacity to be positive about our sexuality. And in therapy, I use a combination of cognitive, mindful, and dynamic techniques to allow my patients to create a new narrative about their sexuality and release shame. But there's only so much I can do. And this is where sexological body work comes in. And they're able, these providers, to take that work to a whole different level because they provide physical touch to their clients that allows all sorts of pretty amazing things to happen in the office. So a lot of my patients will say that when their partner approaches them, they sort of reflexively enter into what they call the cringe, where they tighten up and their body becomes stiff and it's loud and clear to their partner that they're unreceptive to any sort of physical or or sensual stimulation. Other people say when their partner approaches them, they freeze. They just shut down. Some people describe a dissociative experience where they kind of check out of their body. Some people tell me that when their partner approaches them, they feel rage. And others describe the sensation as deep sadness. So what is it? What is in our body? What trauma, what affective uh, experiences get stuck in our DNA, so to speak? And how are sexological body workers able to release these feelings and affective states? 
So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what sexological body work is and how they teach through body experiences designed to nurture, deepen, or awaken the sensual self. These experiences can include coaching in breath, movement, body awareness, boundary setting, communication, anatomy, sensate focus, massage, what they call erotic trance, or other body-based teaching about sex. They are trained to do genital and anal touch for education, healing, and pleasure. They touch in ways that assist students or clients in developing presence within their body, opening interior awareness, and learning how the body can feel more alive. As you'll hear from my guest, often his work is done with a client who's fully clothed and there's no erotic touching whatsoever, although that is part of the range of services that sexological body workers may offer. And couples also can learn to navigate sexual differences and explore new erotic possibilities with body-based learning and guided practice with the help of a sexological body worker. This process, this uh, service can help you engage in a respectful dialogue with your autonomic nervous system so that physical and emotional processes that usually happen to us can be held in mindful awareness and transformed. So that gives you just a little taste of what sexological body work is. I'm going to be talking to my guest today about the difference between sexological body work and sexual surrogacy. I get probably two or three calls a month from people asking if I'm a sexual surrogate and whether they can come and see me and have two-way touch in my office. And I explain to them that I'm a psychotherapist and not a sexual surrogate. And that although we discuss sexual issues in detail, that there's no touching of any kind and that that is actually unethical based on my licensure and also illegal in the eyes of the law. But people often are are looking for a place to go where they can have physical connection with a provider. And I am really excited to introduce you to this work. It's not something, as I explain in my interview, which is coming up in just a moment, it's not something that I've often referred my patients to, but I'm starting to see and hear about some of the potential benefits of this type of work. So I, I thought I might expose people to it so people can decide for themselves whether they feel it's something that they might want to explore to see if they can unblock some barriers that they're experiencing. One of the things that I find most intriguing about sexological body work or somatic work is that it can support individuals and couples to explore and expand their capacity to experience pleasure by creating new neurological, emotional, and physical pathways. And I think this mind-body connection, we're just beginning to understand how our emotions affect our health and how our health affects our emotions. And the Chopra Center talks about how for centuries, healers have pondered the connection between mental and physical health. 
And in recent years, science has begun to catch up and recognize the powerful connections through which emotional, spiritual, and behavioral factors can directly affect our health outcomes. As research in the field of mind-body medicine is finding, emotions and thought patterns can contribute to imbalances within the body, and therapies like hypnosis, visual imagery, meditation, yoga, biofeedback, and I'm going to add somatic bodywork or sexological bodywork to that list, are being used to reestablish balance and promote health. On this website, it also states that beliefs that we hold about the world Our emotions, our memories, and our habits all influence our mental and physical, and I'm going to add, sexual health. These connections between what is going on in our minds and heart and what is happening in our bodies form the psycho-emotional roots of health and disease. And he talks about how the mind-body connection happens on both a physical and chemical level, and that the brain is the hardware that allows us to experience mental states that are labeled the mind, and that this concept of the mind encompasses mental states including thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and emotions, but that different mental states can positively or negatively affect biological functioning. And this occurs since the Nervous, endocrine, and immune systems share a common chemical language, which allows constant communication between the mind and body through messengers like hormones and neurotransmitters. So I think there's likely to be more and more scientific research to suggest this mind-body connection, and I think it's going to take on a bigger role in the area of sexual health as well. So I'm very excited to introduce my guest for today. His name is Steve Oscard. He is a somatic sex educator and a sexological body worker. We'll be explaining what all that means in just a moment. Steve, welcome to Sex Savvy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about being here. Well, I just want to state for the record that I haven't referred many patients to clinicians, providers like yourself. And this is new to me as well. Mm -hmm. So I just want people to understand that I'm learning with you today in this episode. Normally, I have a pretty good understanding of what I'm going to be talking to my guest about. But Uh today, I'm kind of a rookie in this area. So thank you for for being here and educating me as well as my listeners. My pleasure. Can you explain what somatic or sexological body work even is, Steve? Absolutely. And first of all, I love that you said you're a rookie or a beginner because that's really one of the fundamental pieces of what somatic sex education is. It's willing to be a beginner, willing to be curious, willing to bring that kind of playful curiosity to the whole landscape of our sexuality and learn to feel again, learn to be wonder-filled. Like when we were children and we were learning things, we had access to this kind of curiosity that was a pure kind of learning. Um, And and later on, when we learned about games and there becomes this idea of winning or or being faster and and this goal in in play. But it's really the aspect of play that's curious that we never really bring to our sexuality. By the time we become curious sexually, there's all kinds of shame and embarrassment around it. So we don't have that kind of access. And, And what brought me to this kind of work is my own interest in learning to be curious and, and really learning to be a beginner around sexuality. I love it. I love curiosity. I, mm-hmm. I encourage my patients all the time to be curious about their sexual story and the impact of things 
from their past during their sexual development. And I'll say, you know, be curious about what was the legacy of this? And Mm -hmm. how do you think this shaped you? And so I love that. So Mm -hmm. we're on the same page in that regard. Mm -hmm. So explain a little bit more about what someone might bring to you. Do they have to have some sort of block in order to make use of your services? Not necessarily. Some people come in the door and they have something very specific, like they've been experiencing issues with arousal, or they have pain during sex, or there's something something specific that they want to focus on. But the thing is, is the practice itself is not necessarily problem-solutions oriented. It's really, like I said, about curiosity, about that willingness to begin exploring. And the quote-unquote healing or the resolution of whatever issue brought them in the door kind of happens in this miraculous, unexpected way. So some people do come in the door with something specific and they, or they'll call me and they'll ask about it and we can work on that. And some people just come in because they want to expand their capacity to feel, expand their capacity to experience pleasure, either personally in a self-pleasure practice or, or with a partner or partners. <laughs> And you treat both men and women? Yes. All genders, all orientations? Correct. There's no boundary on that? Yes. Do you treat only adults? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the practice itself is for people who are 18 and older. So I know that there are adolescent issues around sexuality, but the practice can include some forms of touch. So we definitely keep that, that they are consenting adults who are able to make those choices for themselves. Okay, great. Tell us about the typical client that might come and see you. I know there's no real typical mm-hmm. anything anymore, <laughs> but give us some examples of things that bring people into your office. Well, how about if I describe the kind of what happens in a session with Perfect. some of those kinds of clients? So Perfect. somebody, when they come in the door, like I said, they might have something specific or they might just want to explore and expand their capacity to feel and experience pleasure. So that whole first part of the session, and I was sharing with you before that, I think of our session as kind of like three pieces. The first piece is really allowing them to design their experience. Like, what do they want to explore? And it's really, we don't go anywhere until we create a learning objective. Like, what did they want to experience? What do they want to expand in their life? What new uh, expressions do they want for their sexuality? So we spend that whole first part of the session really talking about that. And it could be something that we address specifically in that session or spread out over a series of sessions. And can you explain what you mean by somatic? I'm not sure if my listeners even are going to know what that is. And also how it differentiates from the this popular growing term, mm-hmm. the mind-body connection. Well, it's funny because I, I share with you, although I've been a sexological body worker for about a year, I've been in the realm of massage and body work for almost 30 years. And when I first began, we didn't really use the word somatics that much. It was really about the body-mind connection. And then I learned the word somatics, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what we mean. <laughs> so somatics is really, it's like a language in and of itself. So we have verbal language that we use to represent our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and what we think and believe about life and about ourselves. But there's also this sensate knowledge that we have in our bodies. One way to describe it is it's both inclusive of verbal language and distinct and separate from it. So it, can, it kind of melds together where 
in some ways we might even call it intuition and I think that's kind of a way to say it that's almost dismissive like it, it doesn't allow access to think oh what is intuition what am I sensing in my body that I've not articulated and put into words so it is the felt sense the sensations and, and the whole spectrum of sensations that we feel and how that stimulates or is connected to our thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs about ourselves. And sexual response. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, for example, if we are experiencing some kind of sensation, it could remind us of some shame that we have or, or trigger some memory from our past. And if we are in a moment of intimacy and something in our sensation, our somatic sense, is stimulated that stimulates some kind of shame or, or trauma or something, it could be no coincidence if we're having difficulty staying engaged with our partner, being aroused, continuing to escalate the desire if that's the direction we want the experience to go in. So I think this may be the missing link because mm. I encourage my patients to connect back to early sexual experiences mm. and shame or anxiety or fear or whatever might have been activated mm. and how it it stays in their body. I like to say it's in your DNA. Mm-hmm. And I think you're activating what's in the DNA mm-hmm. in a way that I can't do simply by talking. Mm-hmm. You're activating it by, by touch, by mm-hmm. sensory experience. Mm-hmm. And I think, or, or I'm going to ask, do you think that it can release trauma, shame, and so on? Absolutely. And I, I think it's not limited to sensation as touch. It could also be spatial orientation. So if we stood across the room from one another and we started to inch ourselves closer, we would have some kind of sensation at a certain point. Energy, right? We could call it energy, but energy almost kind of puts it in this vague, nebulous kind of way of referring to it. Okay. But we feel something. We, we have a physical sensation in our bodies. We inch closer and we inch closer. And then at some point, ooh, you know, we may even feel like, I'm a little too close for this. Right, the, the bubble of privacy. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Or even a, a magnetism, like I want to feel closer to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, or imagine being in a, in a first encounter with someone and, uh, gosh, I just had a flashback to a first date recently where I want, we were sitting in a theater and I wanted to hold their hand and there was just this impulse and desire to reach and touch and I was simultaneously magnetized to her hand and scared to death at the same time of reaching over. And that was a felt sense, commingled with all these thoughts that I had going on at the same time. And that kind of personifies the, the sensations, the somatic sense of uh, living and being. I tell a lot of my patients that their symptoms or concerns or complaints, I don't mm-hmm. like the word dysfunction too mm-hmm. much, that it mm-hmm. lives in their body mm-hmm. and that it manifests in their genitals, for example. Mm-hmm. So I tell men all the time, you know, your penis is trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Your vagina has your back. Mm-hmm. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? But I mean exactly what, what you're talking mm-hmm. about, that there's somatic, I don't know, I keep going back to the word energy, that they hold in their bodies mm-hmm. that can be a narrative mm-hmm. or yeah. some notions about things. And is that what you're trying to help them connect to? Yes, absolutely. And I love that you say narrative, because I think there's definitely a cognitive narrative, the thoughts, feelings, emotions that we could verbalize. And I touched on this a minute ago. But then there's also this somatic narrative that is completely separate from words, that also could be commingled with words. 
And to me, what one of the things that fascinates me is the interplay between that somatic, nonverbal, non-cognitive knowledge or sensation or experience with the cognitive, how they mingle together. What is the interplay between the two of them? And what can we discover about ourselves and, and how we express ourselves out in the world and with others by looking at this somatic side? Because would you agree that most people aren't connected to their body? Yeah. In a, in a way that is, you know, rich and yeah. open. Yeah. I mean, if, I was thinking about this this morning. Like if you go to the gym and you see somebody on the cardio machines, they're on their phone, they're type texting, they're watching the TV. They're not feeling what's going on in their body in the terms of working out. And then you go... They don't, they're not feeling the burn. Exactly. <laughs> uh, or they're trying to not and just get through the 20, 30 minutes of cardio that they're doing. So Do they you think can, it affects the quality of the exercise? Personally, I do. I don't know that there's any science behind it. Do you think it, they're burning fewer calories? That's a great question. I don't know. We should do a research Let's study. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and then we can link it together with sex and how many calories we, we burn during <laughs> sex when we are both present to our sensations and when we are disconnected. I'm that serious. That would be fascinating. Yeah, because it's sort of like mindfulness, right? Yes, are you yes. intentional about what you're experiencing? And I often will tell my patients to slow down and get out of their head and feel what's happening in their body. Yeah. Focus on the sensation. Focus on the the touch, the sounds, the sights, the smells, you know, and and get out of your head. And mm -hmm. for a lot of women that's tricky because we a lot of women come in and say that they're distracted or preoccupied or they're obsessing about the laundry or mm -hmm. the meeting they have tomorrow or getting the kids homework done and you know or some big project that they're working mm -hmm. on professionally. And it's hard to be in your body when you're in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think the experience is very similar for men, too. Yeah. Um, but so. I think men have that hormonal push hmm. because men have so much more testosterone than women do at all stages of life. And I've probably said that four times. So if you're a listener, forgive me for you know being <laughs> a broken record. But the libido manifests in a more consistent way for men that allows them to be receptive to and responsive to sexual behavior more easily than women in terms of distractibility. So if a guy's distracted and a woman's distracted, it's easier to get a guy's attention than it is to get a woman's attention. Of course, not always. And this is just a, a general mm -hmm. observation in my mm -hmm. clinical work. My question would be, is it embodied? So you may stimulate them physiologically, but are they present to what they're feeling in their body when they're aroused? Well, that's the thing. There's been shown, and I, I, I think I mentioned this in one of my sex IQ quiz, mm -hmm. that when women take Viagra, mm -hmm. it works physiologically, mm -hmm. but if you ask them if they're turned on, they say no. Because there's this disconnect for women between the objective and subjective experience of arousal. Mm -hmm. And uh, for men, I think it's a little bit easier because it's all external and obvious. So if a man has an erection, it's hard to miss. Mm -hmm. Whereas a woman might be physiologically, you know, we can go in a laboratory and clock that she's aroused, blood mm -hmm. flowing to the genitals, etc. But she doesn't feel turned on. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's an issue because there's this this lack of, of merge between the subjective and the objective experience. Mm. Well, that brings up a wonderful question, like, what is sex? So is this encounter we're about to experience together about climaxing? 
is it about reaching this pinnacle that we're supposed to orgasm and climax and uh, feel wonderful and maybe cuddle afterwards? Is it about this goal-oriented experience? Or is it about this connection, feeling, sensation, expanding our capacity to be curious, back to our original comment? And bonding. Yeah. And closeness and connection and mm-hmm. pleasure short of, of, of orgasm. Mm-hmm. You know, being stimulated can feel wonderful. Just getting a massage, having someone, mm-hmm. you know, rub your shoulder or scratch your back can be satisfying. And for mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't easily reach orgasm, they can still feel physically satisfied after a sexual encounter. Absolutely. Can you yeah. speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, I was thinking one of the things that I, when working with men who are dealing with erectile dysfunction or, or simply any kind of arousal issues, one of the things we talk about is a soft cock massage. So it's so pleasurable. You don't have to have an erection to have pleasure. Or penetration. Absolutely, yeah. So there can be all kinds of touch that is pleasurable, that's sensual. What is your spectrum of feeling? You know, is there, you know, we certainly know in the realm of pain how to talk about pain. And when people come in with issues and, and what they consider a dysfunction or a problem, and they put their attention on that and they want to resolve that or they want to handle that, they're going to keep putting their attention on that thing that, that's unwanted. What if we just ex- talk about pleasure and expanding our capacity to feel, whether you have an erection or not, whether you are uh, getting wet or not, whether you are aroused or not, that you just experience this whole realm of touch and play with a partner or by yourself. And what do you offer that someone couldn't do on their own or with a partner? You know, we were talking about this, that I think that my willingness to be curious and just listen, if I just did that and let people talk and asked a few questions and facilitated them back to themselves, exploring, being curious, I found that that creates miracles. You know, somebody will say something magical at the end of the session, and I'm like, I didn't do anything here. (laughs) I just, you know... My You're wit- a facilitator. Yeah, but it's like I'm a witness almost, just to observe. I, I know another f- overused phrase in our culture nowadays is giving space. So I wonder, well, what really is that? Well, that's what I do a lot, is I just sit with someone in the midst of their uncomfortableness, their uncertainty, their where do I start? And we begin to be curious together. And in fact, I love working with couples where I'll suggest things they could do together. And, you know, send them out to back to the laboratory of their own bedroom or wherever they choose to play. Do you see couples? I do, yeah. And I even work with people remotely. You know, that's that's fun, too, where via video chat, I could talk to a couple and... So someone listening right now in North Dakota, they could they could have a session Absolutely. with Absolutely. Yes, I love, I love that. I have a couple in Canada with, I work with, uh, Colorado, and I live in Los Angeles, so it's fun and a great way to connect with people. So I'm wondering if my listeners are confused about whether or not you are a sexual surrogate and if not, what the difference is. Mm. And maybe they don't even know what sexual surrogacy is. If you could explain that and, and you know, kind of tease out some of the nuances. Sure. Yeah, I, so I'm not a sexual surrogate and I'll, I'll say what I know about surrogacy from my limited perspective. In fact, how I've mostly heard it referred to nowadays is a surrogate partner. So there's a whole spectrum of experiences that people want to learn 
that maybe they've been afraid to address or, or lean into throughout their lives that could be just about simple dating and male-female, and, and again, I don't want to limit it to male-female, but masculine-feminine dynamics or relationship dynamics or connection dynamics. We don't have to limit it, obviously, to heteronormative relationships. And like I mentioned earlier, you may have mentioned, I work with all kinds of people and all kinds of expressions. So it could be simple dating experiences. It could be how to interact with a partner. And surrogacy can also include two-way touch and sex. And in those professional relationships, it is usually in a triad with a therapist, where the therapist and the surrogate partner and the client will work together to start with. Then the surrogate partner and the uh, client will meet together and they will have a session together, which could be, any, like I said, any spectrum of experience. And it, like I said, it can include two-way touch. With uh, sexological body work, it is all one-way touch. All touch is gloved. It can be sensual or erotic touch, but it's not limited to that either. It could be a whole series of somatic exercises. Usually my first session, we don't even touch and do any kind of uh, physical work. There's work that's fully clothed. The key piece about a session is the client designs their experience. So when they come in, we'll discuss what their learning objective might be. And until we get really clear about it, we don't move on. We don't move into the somatic portion of the experience. And then I might, after they say what they want to learn and what they want to experience, I might suggest a, a, a series of things that could be on the menu. And then they choose. They say, I would like to experience this. It's almost like they're choreographing their own experience. And then we move to the somatic portion of the session. And then when that completes, there's a period of just integration where they just relax and kind of feel what they're feeling in their body. And then we debrief. We talk about what they experienced, what was the lesson they would like to take away, how they might bring this in and integrate this into their life after they leave, and what we might work on in the next session. So just to be clear, one of the main differences between your sexological body work and a surrogate partner mm -hmm. would be one-way touch versus two-way touch. Correct, yeah. Okay, okay. And can you share some of the most moving things that you've witnessed in mm. terms of how people have had so-called breakthroughs and how they have healed some of the trauma that they were carrying in their body? Some of the most profound experiences have been in the conversations that follow our sessions where we will have the somatic portion of the exercises, uh, the somatic portion of the session, we'll do some exercises. And after this period of relaxation, someone will sit up and they'll say something, wow, I realize I, I don't know how to ask for what I want. Or they might say, wow, I know how I can utilize our sessions. You know, I did have this one client after a series of sessions where they sat up after the session, they said, now I know how I can use you. And it was like after several sessions, and although that may seem like this subtle, really simple thing, to me and to both of us, it was monumental because it wasn't just about her and I. It was about how they could carry that out into their life and begin to have relationships that were fulfilling to them and not just about the construct of, of sexual connection that they, that they thought previously. I love that you mentioned that because a lot of the magic that occurs in my office is mm -hmm. about the connection, mm -hmm. right? And 
it's a pseudo connection on some level because it's one way, right? Mm -hmm, I'm there mm -hmm. to be helpful to them. They're not there to be helpful to me. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there'll be a very potent, no pun intended, mm -hmm. uh, or meaningful exchange, and they'll have that light bulb experience. And then they'll take that and they'll generalize that to their real life. Mm -hmm. They'll translate it back to their relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting part for me. Yeah, It's easy to do it in my office. It's safe. There's no judgment, right? Mm -hmm. they, they don't have to worry about anybody knowing anything because mm -hmm. it's all confidential. Mm -hmm. But if they can take that insight or that risk or whatever it is that whatever growth they're connecting to and insert it into their interpersonal relationships outside of the office... <laughs> that's what I call the internalization of the therapeutic process. Mm. I had a patient say, it's like you're in my back pocket <laughs> and I don't need you because I, I have internalized the process mm. and they can take that and grow with it in their daily lives. That's gorgeous. I love that. Yeah, I always think of it like when, when one of us heals, we all heal, you know, and healing really being the return or our return to ourselves. And can you help people with trauma? Most sexological body workers are trauma-informed, so we know how to be sensitive to, wow, this is something that I should refer to somebody. They're in the middle of re-experiencing some kind of traumatic incident. I need to refer somebody to them to somebody who can support them in that process. So are so, you trained to pick up on certain things that are so-called beyond your scope? Yes. And work with mental health professionals? Yes, and I love collaborating personally and... and uh, always, if I am collaborating, make sure that the client gives both of us, myself and their other practitioners, the opportunity to share with one another. And if they don't, that's fine too, but I, I like to do that so that we can share. And, and we met at a luncheon mm -hmm. for uh, sexuality professionals mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, yeah. like... A week ago today, exactly. Yeah. And then you followed up. I, I want to. I, I want to connect. I'm like, yes, good. Come on, my podcast. Yeah. So you're clearly collaborative in that way. I love that. Yes. yes. Yeah. And just to say a little bit more about traumas, since I came from a background of working with people physically with injuries and accidents, and I have done some more extensive training in the realm of trauma, but I am not an expert in trauma when someone is in the middle of some kind of episode and they are reactivated. But if somebody is in a place where they're able to be, and here I use that word again, curious about what's happened, where they contracted and experienced something as traumatic, then it can be really healing to begin to let themselves touch on that. When, when I talk about it, I talk of it kind of like a tangle ball of yarn. And we're just going to pull on threads. And if a thread is like ready to open, then we can explore it some. But if we tug on something and it's not ready to open, we don't touch it. We don't go there. And if they do need some more support with that, I have uh, you know other professionals who definitely specialize in you know working with people who are dealing with trauma. And there's not a license that you have to do this, correct? Correct. The uh, sexological bodywork profession is self-governing. There's a, a association of certified sexological body workers. There is a tremendous amount of ethics and integrity and a whole process for people to um, support one another and address ethical issues if they come up, uh, a way for clients to communicate with, uh, uh, with others if they've had uh, issues with a practitioner that they want to resolve. How can people find you, Steve, if they're interested in learning more about your work? Well, first of all, I love talking about it. 
So I love sharing. So people are welcome to call me and I often do a free either video consult or phone consult where we just talk and kind of find out what's important to them before we ever schedule a time to work together. So that's something that's available to people. And how would they call you? They can call me. I'll give you my number. It is 818-601-0550. And I pretty much always answer. (laughs) Sometimes it goes to voicemail, but I always get back to people uh, and feel free to call me. I love sharing about it. And I love making talking about sexuality accessible, no you know, big shame or worry. I just make it really easy for people to talk about. Because you also do education as well. Exactly. I'll do some work uh, lecturing and speaking with groups, talking about any number of topics in the realm of uh, connection dynamics. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I certainly have learned some things about the nature of your work. Thank you. And I'd love to uh, follow your work and, and maybe we can chat again. Awesome. I loved being here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again to Steve Oscard for coming on Sex Savvy and talking about how the mind-body connection affects the way we express our sexuality. What's interesting is today we talked all about emotions and how integral they are in terms of our sexual response. And next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about sex robots and sex dolls, which have zero emotion, but yet fill a need and a void in so many people's lives and how that technology will continue to become more and more popular. I think you will uh, notice a big difference between the themes of today's episode and the themes of next week's episode. Just fascinating Uh, research out there on um, artificial intelligence and how it is being used to create these human-like dolls and robots. So thanks for listening to Sex Savvy, and I look forward to talking with you soon. You've been listening to Sex Savvy. If you find value in this podcast, please like, follow, share, comment, or review on your favorite podcast app. Your participation helps keep Sex Savvy free and available to all who are interested. Kimberly and the entire Sex Savvy team appreciate your loyalty and support.